welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. That would be me. And we are joined as always by producer Annabelle Lee. Hi, friends. That right. Hi, producer Annabelle Lee. It did <laughs> rhyme and we loved it. Coming up on today's show, Bruce Willis's aphasia diagnosis presents a dilemma. What happens to someone's agency when they're slowly slipping away? Plus, every headline that came out of the Grammys, including Courtney and Travis's Vegas elopement, maths is finished for another year, and then we open the shameless mailbag. Your best friend cheats on her fiancé, so what the hell happens to your friendship? But first, Zara, how was your week? How was my week? Well, we are recording this remotely again. I'm sorry, team. I don't have COVID again, but my partner has somehow contracted it twice in nine weeks. So I'm back in quarantine. So I've had better weeks, but I've also had worse weeks. I just feel so far from you both. I know, we miss you. We miss you so much. I feel like the only word in this scenario is just fuck. Like fuck, 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 fuck. How can this be the case where Ollie has gotten it twice in nine weeks? It is so unfair. I feel so sorry for the two of you that you're back in quarantine. I feel like Annabelle and I really owe the world some quarantine the next time the universe wants to throw quarantine in anyone's direction Annabelle and I are open we've done like none we're happy to take it it's so (laughs) funny because we had quite a lot on this week with the F1 so I can't do it but if I isolate from him as well as I possibly can I can get to the F1 on Sunday I'll be out in time so fingers and toes crossed for that but what it means is because I'm isolating from him and we don't have a huge space like we live in a little inner city apartment I'm sort of stuck in my room and he's stuck in his room most of the day which is fine but I am incredibly bored which means I would happily sit here and record this podcast with you both all day (laughs) so if I go on random tangents you know what I'm doing I'm just (laughs) you know what you deserve anything right now if you want to sit here and chat to us on a video call all day my darling we will do it let's do it no I also have a recommendation this week I've been consuming a lot of random stuff and I'm having an absolutely wonderful time doing it now I actually watched this thing called an ink talk I didn't know what this was I think it's a ripoff like a cheap ripoff of a TED talk from (laughs) Josh Radner now tell me if you know who that is Annabelle's eyes have just popped I knew you would (laughs) it's Ted Mosby (laughs) it is Ted oh my god I almost got that so wrong I almost bumped in to be like is it a YouTube star? No, ignore me. <laughs> no, I'm always too confident. It is Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Now, it's quite interesting because when I was telling people recently that I watched this talk that he did, people looked at me and said, what has he done recently? Like, has he been in anything since How I Met Your Mother? And I was like, if that's the perspective that you've got coming into this, then I think you might find this talk really interesting because the talk itself is called Fame's Lesson Plan. And he basically speaks about how he was his most depressed as How I Met Your Mother started to get more and more well-known and how he really struggled with fame. And I know it's like the most obvious point in the world, but I find it remarkable when you know a character as sort of lighthearted as Ted and then you see the actor and it's like, oh, he's not, he's quite earnest. Like he's very earnest. I love that so much though. I didn't watch all of How I Met Your Mother. I watched the first half because I feel like that was where the real golden stuff was. Annabelle, don't get angry at me. I know you're a fan <laughs> of that show. How interesting. So he talks about his depression and he talks about kind of how he worked through it? Well, I actually don't even know if he was diagnosed as such with depression, but said he became incredibly low mm-hmm. as he got more well-known and how he really grappled with fame. And so the end of the talk ends up being like this kind of philosophical conversation about how you can make decisions to look at the world differently because he started to resent people coming up to him. He started to resent how big the show had gotten. And he was like, I had to make decisions every moment when someone came up to me saying, what a joy this is. How lucky am I? Like really rewriting how your brain wants to think about something. And it's a pretty earnest chat. Like it's very, it it turns into very kind of self-helpy territory, but I think we're all there right now. So I think that's fine. I love that so, so much. How was your week? It was a good week. I kind of spiraled last night. I don't know if you saw, but this week, Instagram did a bit of an update, released a new feature where you can now trace back to your very first comment, first like, first interaction (laughs) on the app. Have you guys used the feature and gone back to trace your earliest activity on Insta? 
Of course. I haven't. No. I saw, you haven't had I saw this was a thing and I was like, no, thank you. I don't yeah. want to know. I we ignore myself. that. <laughs> so, Zara, I'm very curious to hear what your first comment was. Embarrassingly, my first ever comment was to my friend Emily, who posted a topless photo of Gaz from Geordie Shaw. Do you guys from Gary Beadle? She posted a topless yeah. photo of him and I commented being like, oh, my God, obsessed. He's so hot. Hashtag love hashtag sexy hashtag something else fucking cringe i could not believe how cringeworthy i was i can to be honest (laughs) is gaz hot i don't even know i feel like annabelle right now not knowing my pop culture references no i know gaz he had a thing with charlotte crosby right yeah he had a thing with charlotte crosby of course zara's too highbrow to know i'm not it sounded a bit wanky though didn't it Ooh, who's this Um, I know Jodie Shore. I just, I never watched it. That's, I think my first comment was something really innocuous, like commenting on a friend's photo saying hot. So it's not all good, Mish. Far less cringe than mine. Anyway, I do have a recommendation for the week. It's a pretty basic one, but I'm going to stick by it a hundred percent. I've been watching the second season of Bridgerton. Annabelle, I'm watching you through our little screen and you're having a hot flush over how much you love this show. She's having a dance. It's so good. I fucking love it. I'm currently grieving because, you know, I watched season two twice. Wait. <laughs> and I'm like contemplating whether I go in for a third time. Wait, I you've watched season two it. twice already? Yes. That is amazing. Same. Yeah, I know. I'm a talented lady. Two times since it came out. This only came out a couple of weeks ago. And I've got to tell the listeners in case you haven't watched the show. Every episode is like an hour long. So that is a slog, Annabelle. You have basically put in another full-time job to watch this twice. I'm single. What am I going to say? I've got a lot of Annabelle, I've been in quarantine for four days, right? And I actually only recently just got into Bridgerton because Michelle never sold me on it that much. She wasn't sure if it was oh, something that I liked. my fault, is it? I said to you, would I like it? And you're like, I'm not sure. That's what you said to me. And I forgot to tell you. I think I've forgotten to tell you over the course of our friendship that I'm obsessed with period dramas. Like Downton Abbey is my jam. (laughs) Like when I found out Downton Abbey is making a movie, I lost the plot. So this is amazing. But I wanted to say, Annabelle, I've only watched six episodes and I've got (laughs) nothing to do. I I started it when it first came out. So like a couple of weeks ago, a week or so ago. No shame. No, genuinely no shame. I'm really enjoying it, guys. I know I'm really behind. How is season two, Michelle, compared to season one? Yeah, well, I will say, Zara, and I'm curious to hear what you think about season two when you get to it. I'm also very curious to hear from the listeners on this. We'll definitely poll them in your Save Friday on this one. Season one of Bridgerton is sexy with like a capital S. Sex is in your face. The sex scenes are such a core part of the show. And as a person who has said over the years on this podcast, fucking love a good sex scene. Not going to be ashamed about it give it all to me, enjoy it thoroughly. And Bridgerton did sex better than basically anyone else in season one. Season two, they have done a big old pivot. Sex and sexual tension are still a theme of the show, but it's a buildup. You don't get sex on a plate in episode one or episode two, even episode six. They make you wait because they're building up this tension between the two lovers who can't be together because of different class and social reasons. And you're waiting for them to get together. And so instead of getting the high from watching people have great sex scenes, you're getting the high from waiting for these two just to kiss, let alone watch these two have sex. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm in the thick of sort of towards the end of season one where there is let me tell you, I'm glad I'm watching it without the eyes of anyone else on me. There's a lot going on here. I'm just in the safety of my room. That made it sound like, Zara, that you were having a little bit too much fun. No, 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 I'm not. No, I, I'm just, I'm a prude. I get, I, I blush. So I'm blushing in the confines of my own space. Mish, we need to jump into the first segment of the show because we have a really interesting one coming out of Hollywood today around Bruce Willis. We absolutely do. And I want to be self-aware from the get-go with this story, Zara. A Bruce Willis headline probably wouldn't be a topic we discuss on Shameless generally, but this one really caught our attention this week and sparked some really interesting discussions. So for those who missed it, this week the family of 67-year-old actor Bruce Willis, who is of course best known for his role in the Die Hard franchise, released a statement saying that he would be retiring effective immediately because he's struggling with a condition called aphasia. Yeah, Mish. So as you said, the family did announce this 
on Instagram, a few of his daughters plus his wife posted the following statement. To Bruce's amazing supporters, as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive abilities. As a result of this, and with much consideration, Bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him. The statement continued, This is a really challenging time for our family, and we are so appreciative of your continued love, compassion, and support. We are moving through this as a strong family unit and wanted to bring his fans in because we know how much he means to you as you do to him. As Bruce always says, live it up, and together we plan to do just that. Now, Mish, Bruce is married to 43-year-old Emma Hemming. He He has two daughters with her, age 10 and 7. He also has three daughters with Demi Moore. They're a bit older. They're 33, 30 and 28 respectively. But it's a huge family here and particularly five daughters who would be reeling with this news. I feel like you... I'm going to say you're a better place than I to That's so explain funny. what aphasia is, but <laughs> you're not a doctor. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, you're going to throw this to me and I'm going to have to hide behind my mum. So my mum, Vicky Andrews, has been very helpful this week for us, yes. Zara, in explaining what aphasia is. My mum's a speech pathologist and they are kind of the go-to treatment person for anyone struggling with aphasia. It is broadly speaking a language disorder that affects a person's ability to communicate. And it's really important to know with aphasia, it affects everyone very differently. How one person experiences or presents with aphasia might be very different to how another person presents. Generally, it affects someone's ability to speak or comprehend language. Speech, reading, writing, and listening can all be affected. In the majority of cases, aphasia occurs as a result of a stroke or a head injury. There is also a kind of aphasia that is caused by Alzheimer's disease known as logopenic aphasia. Yeah. And I think with Bruce Willis, we haven't been given many details on what's actually led to this diagnosis. What we do know though, after, you know, a few reports in the media is that perhaps his decline was happening over the last few years. Now, What I find really interesting about this is the timing of the announcement because it came in the same week that the satirical Golden Raspberry Awards or Razzies, I actually didn't know that they were called Golden Raspberries. I thought they were just called Razzies. Anyway, they (laughs) highlight the worst performances in acting and cinema. They had created an award called Worst Bruce Willis Performance in 2021 with all of his seven films of that year receiving nominations. So you can imagine if this news wasn't public, the family see the Razzies sort of taking the piss out of Bruce Willis's acting Mm. in the last year. They're probably going to come out and say, you know what, guys, something's actually up here. Yeah, and that fact as well, how prolific Bruce Willis has been over the last two or three years in particular really took me by surprise. So he did seven films that came out last year. Another eight are being released in 2022. He also has films that are scheduled to be released next year or the year after. So it's interesting. These are the most prolific years of his career apart from 2006 when he also released eight films. And I think when you now find out that this was a man in decline, it almost seems incongruous that someone in decline who has been struggling was also putting out more work than ever, Zara. It is so much work, eight films over the course of a year. And we do sort of know that it was a slow decline because of a a report that came out of the LA Times this week that did sort of shed more light on his circumstances. And it did reveal that over the last year or two, another actor would travel with Bruce Willis to sets, feed the star his lines through an earpiece, which is known in the industry as an earwig. And it's it's a really sort of delicate conversation to have, Mish, because... I can only imagine that Bruce Willis wanted to sort of exercise his own agency and keep working, but it would mean, I imagine too, that that would have been hard for people on set and you're sort of juggling these two very sensitive things. Yeah, it's incredibly fraught and delicate, as you said. And in that piece by the LA Times, we found this passage really interesting. In interviews with the Times this month, nearly two dozen people who are on set with Willis expressed concern about his well-being. These individuals questioned whether the actor was fully aware of his surroundings on set, where he was often paid $2 million for two days of work, according to documents viewed by the Times. On top of that, Zara, there was reportedly also an incident two years ago on a movie set where Bruce Willis unexpectedly fired a gun loaded with a blank. Now, he apparently 
fired that gun on the wrong cue. And while no one was injured, the LA Times reported that that discharge, that gun going off, left his fellow actors and crew members really shaken. Yeah, and I think we really should note with this story as well that there are other people on set who deny this happened, but there are also people on set who say that it did and that is why the LA Times have run with this story. And when I mentioned before, you're sort of juggling these two things, an actor who deserves agency to pick whether he's going to work and also a whole group of people on set who also deserve to feel safe on set. Mm -hmm. You've got yourself a really, really messy, messy story and a really sort of delicate one as we say. And I think it must be a relief for a lot of people that this news is now public. I know for so long, you kind of want to keep these things private because the prying eyes of the world would be very overwhelming. But I think now that everybody's on the same page, I'm sure there are many people in the industry looking on thinking, okay, that makes a bit of sense to me. And I hope he's well. And I hope the family as well going through it because it really wouldn't be easy. Yeah. And one silver lining in all of this is in the last week, we've actually seen more families of other actors, actors who don't have the level of profile or celebrity that Bruce Willis has, but more families who have come out to say, this actor also has aphasia and has been struggling and we haven't had the platform to speak about this condition. So at the very least, at least more people are familiar with what this is and how many millions of people around the world are affected by it every single day. Coming up after the break, every headline that came out of the Grammys, including Courtney and Travis's Vegas elopement. Maths is finished for another year. And then let's open the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle Faraway Andrews, what have you got for me? Oh, I miss you. I miss you. (laughs) God, I've got some good ones today, guys. Humble as ever. (laughs) I don't invent the news cycle. The news cycle was just generous this week. Kicking things off, Olivia Rodrigo named Best New Artist at the 2022 Grammys. That is from the LA Times. Oh, so in case you missed it, 19-year-old Olivia Rodrigo was named Best New Artist at the 64th Grammy Awards on Sunday night, which feels like a much-deserved nod, Mish, to her insane breakout year, which sort of all began at the beginning of last year when Driver's License was released. Now, For those who might need a little refresher, do we think they need a refresher, Michelle? (laughs) I think this song lives rent-free in everyone's head still. But if you do need the refresher, this was, of course, a record-breaking single. It was a pop culture phenomenon because it broke the Spotify record for most single-day streams for a non-holiday song. It also achieved the biggest ever first week for a song on Spotify and Amazon Music. So to say it crushed it is an understatement. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. I felt to myself, I don't know why, like I actually don't know why, but when I watched her pick up her award for Best New Artist, which was the first one she won on the night, I felt a bit weepy. Like I was watching her on and I was like, I'm a bit weepy and I don't know why. Perhaps that's time for some self-analysis or something. Because she also won two other awards. As we mentioned, she received Best Pop Vocal Album and she won Best Pop Solo Performance. Now, if you're wondering who won Song of the Year and Record of the Year, that went to Silk Sonic, the duo of Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars with their cracker their smash hit smash hit leave the door open Michelle we also had John Batiste who rounded out the night by claiming album of the year for we are he also won best music video best American roots song and best American roots performance from his 11 nominations now I love talking about the awards of course I'm always here for high art we love high art here at shameless we also love (laughs) Whatever the fuck is going on on the red carpet. And while there was some real pungent mediocrity going on in this red carpet, we did have some standout Zara McDonald. But the Grammys are all about that. Like they're all about mediocrity on the red carpet because they kind of have to be. I say that with love 
because all these pop stars have to come dressed as their persona, which means they can't come in a ball gown like the Oscars. They have to come in character. Now, standouts to me, of course, Lil Nas X, Doja Cat as well. I personally loved Dula Peep in vintage Versace. I you don't know about you guys. You need to explain. I love that you wheel out Dula Peep all the time. Not everyone is across the Dula Peep meme. So I think they might be. <laughs> okay, Annabelle, we'll call you guys. I second you, Zara. <laughs> I think, you know what? If Hear me out. Because as I said, I got all the time in the world today. Um, <laughs> Dula Peep. I think if people don't know the meme, they will know exactly who I'm speaking about. I mean, it is our job as pop culture commentators to explain the new cycle. I actually don't really know the history <laughs> of the meme. That's why I'm not explaining yeah. it. <laughs> it's okay. Dua Lipa. It's what people on TikTok call Dua Lipa. It's someone accidentally called her. A TV presenter Wendy Williams. Was Wendy it Wendy Williams? Williams. She <laughs> repeatedly on her show, repeatedly referred to Dua Lipa as Dua Peep. And even when she was pulled up by her production staff on set being like, it's Dua Lipa. She still couldn't say it. She was still like, Jula Peep, Jula Peeper. And they're like, no, never mind. And it's really, really caught on. Who was your standout on the red carpet? Oh, I've got to say Doja Cat. I think she was amazing. St. Vincent also looked gorgeous. I did a bit of a rundown of the red carpet on our TikTok account at shameless underscore podcast. If anyone wants all of my thoughts on all of the dresses. Aside from the red carpet though, Zara, we did have a bit of controversy Louis C.K., the disgraced comedian, took home Best Comedy Album for his 2020 special, Sincerely, Louis C.K. Now, in that comedy special, he addressed allegations of sexual misconduct made against him in 2017. A bit of a trigger warning, just so we're all on the same page. This was in reference to him masturbating in front of female colleagues. He admitted to those allegations as well. Now, this was a really interesting debate Zara back and forth should Louis CK win an award from an institution by talking about terrible things he has done to people yeah exactly I mean there was a really interesting tweet from Moira Donegan who said I wonder if the careers of the women comedians Louis CK forced to watch him masturbate who were allegedly threatened by CK's manager have recovered from the stigma of coming forward Louis CK's own career seems to have bounced back very well now we were on the phone the other day having a conversation about this mission. I think I felt very clear in my mind about being like, you know what, if Louis C.K. wants to get back on the horse and do comedy and people are going to pay for that, I can't control that. Like that's mm. kind of not my business. But I do find it very peculiar that three to four years after this happened, institutions are willing to throw themselves behind him and nominate him and reward him for his work in an industry that he he did a lot of damage. Yeah. And I think for me, it's just the industry line. And you said to me, okay, well, if that's the case, how long do we ban him from being involved in awards shows? And I'm like, I don't have the answer for that. And I'm not sure anyone does, but I can't deny that it sits strangely to me that in the very industry that he did a lot of damage, they are willing to then get back behind him and put him on the highest platform they have. That just reads odd to me. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I just think it's an interesting consideration back and forth to be like, okay, yes, he has done awful things. Yes, he's also admitted to them. How long do we then shut him out of award ceremonies? Like what process does that actually look like? I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying, how does that work? Is there some kind of communication between panelists to say, we're not voting for this guy or is he not nominated? I don't know. I'm you know just- what? I actually think maybe forever. You don't have to win awards forever. Like you are not entitled to awards. Sure, you might be entitled to work again in whatever capacity. And I, as I said, if people want to pay for that work. But I, I do think if you do the things that he did, that is big enough for me to say that's probably a lifetime ban on getting an award in this industry. And I don't think that's cancel culture gone mad. I think a lifetime ban on trophies. No yeah. more trophies for Louis. And I don't, think, I don't think that's a particularly harsh punishment given what happened. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's totally fair. I mean, I'm curious to hear a range of opinions on this one. I did watch the comedy special as research for this episode because we were seeing a lot of headlines around saying he made light of it, he joked about what he did, all that kind of stuff. Having watched the full comedy special now, I don't think those headlines are necessarily accurate, but then he is still profiting off terrible things he did to women. And to be honest, the main thing for me, as someone who has been sexually assaulted as well, which I think is a really important element of this story, given we're talking about a man who has done awful things sexually to women, 
I need to know what he's done behind the scenes to reach out to these women and to make amends and to help them and to compensate them. If he has done things behind the scenes to try and as much as possible, right, he's wrong. I feel a certain way about this. If he's done nothing, he hasn't contacted these women. He hasn't done anything privately. He's just gotten up on stage and continued to make money, continued to tell jokes. I feel another way. So I know that's ambiguous, but I would love to be a fly on the wall to know what he's done behind the scenes when no one's watching. Well, and it's also why these conversations are so hard because we will never know those things. So it's kind of all of us throwing shit at a wall and thinking that seems about right, even though we don't know the full story. But yeah, I don't think anyone's denying that it's a pretty weird headline at coming out of the Grammys. One more quick Grammy story before we move on, Mish. You've got time. Why not? (laughs) Do I ever? Now, this one came out this morning that Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker married in a secret ceremony at a wedding chapel in Las Vegas at 1.30 in the morning after the Grammy Awards. Yes. So in an exclusive video obtained by the Daily Mail, the newlyweds were spotted arriving back at their hotel at 2.30 in the morning. Apparently they exchanged vows in front of an Elvis impersonator after a few too many bevies at the Grammys. Yes, but to make the story probably a little more annoying and less legit. I don't think the marriage was legit. A lot of the reports coming out saying is that they actually didn't get a marriage license and therefore it's not legal. So cool story. Yeah, cool story. My second story, speaking of elopements, Sophie Monk marries Joshua Gross in secret elopement. That is from the Daily Telegraph. Now, for those who are listening overseas, Sophie Monk is a TV presenter. She's a former pop star. She is also our ex-bachelorette. And she met her partner, Josh Gross, on a long-haul flight from San Fran to Sydney in 2018. I'm obsessed with that story. Yeah, it's so romantic, straight out of a rom-com, that one. Now, this story has taken another romantic turn because Sophie and Joshua got married on a Monday afternoon at their home in March. It was just the two of them who were there to say, I do, along with the Stella Magazine editorial team. So an exclusive of this wedding was sold to Stella Magazine, who put coverage of the wedding not only on their cover, but in a spread inside the magazine as well. Well, she also told the magazine, I've told a few close family and friends, but they don't know the day. I'm 42. So I feel like they're like, okay, do it your way. We figured if you don't invite one person, then no one can get upset. We know everyone will be happy for us if it's just the two of us. And then everyone doesn't have to buy another present. So I think secretly other people will be happy we're doing it this way. I think she's right. I mean, She is 42. She's been through very public sort of relationships, relationship breakdowns. If this is the way she wants to do it, power to her. Absolutely. My third story, Wanda Sykes said she's still a little traumatized and sickened by Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. That is from BuzzFeed. So a really quick update from last week because some stuff has come out in the days after we last recorded and Mm. I think we definitely have to acknowledge that, Michelle. So as we know, Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall hosted the Oscars last week. The Oscars hadn't had a host since 2018, so it was a pretty big deal, no less that three women, two black women were hosting such a huge night. Now, in an interview with Ellen right after the Oscars, Wanda expressed her real disappointment about how the whole night went down. And I think people were really intrigued about her opinion and her take on this too, given it was her night as well. I want to play you a snippet of what she had to say. And and it was was sickening. It was absolutely, I physically felt, Ill, and I'm still a little traumatized me by too. it. Me too. Me um, too. Yeah, because it, it for, and for them to let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? This is just the wrong message, you know? Like, you assault somebody, you get escorted out the building, and that's it. And, and you know what? I mean, I know he, he, he apologized to Chris, but um, I believe that, you know, we were the host, right? So we were the, this is our house. We're inviting you in. We're host. We're keeping, we're going to take care of y'all tonight. Make sure you have a good time. And no one has apologized to us. And we worked really hard to put that show together. So, yeah, so I'm like. That's why I, I I'm, wanted- I'm just, I'm like the industry yeah. itself. I'm like, what, what the hell is this? Yeah. Pretty no-nonsense words from her. I adore Wanda Sykes, and I think 
the way she just said how she feels in no uncertain terms, no roundabout terms was really refreshing. And I think if anyone's well-placed to have an opinion on what happened that night, it's Wanda Sykes, given this was her night and this controversy completely took the spotlight off the three hosts. Yeah, exactly. Now, in the days since our last episode, Will Smith actually released another statement about everything that went down. He resigned from Hollywood's Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, saying that he, and I quote, betrayed the trust of the Academy and will accept any further consequences. He added, I betrayed the trust of the Academy. I deprived other nominees and winners of their opportunity to celebrate and be celebrated for their extraordinary work. So I am resigning from membership in the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and will accept any further consequences the board deems appropriate. Now, what does that actually mean? According to Variety, Will Smith will still keep his Best Actor Oscar for his role in King Richard. He will also still be able to be invited to future Academy Awards ceremonies and be nominated for future consideration as well. The main difference, Zara, is that he is no longer a voting member of the Academy. Yeah, that is the main difference for sure. My fourth story, ranking the Married at First Sight cast from who got bulk followers to whose influencer careers are already dead. That is from Pedestrian TV. All right, Mish, so maths is finally over. You watched the last episode. I did. Because you still, you can't keep your mitts off maths no matter how hard you try. (laughs) That is so accurate. I'm not even going to come back at you. I try every year to not watch it because when you tally up the hours of how much, like what chunk of your life you lose to Married at First Sight every season, it's like 60 hours of your life. So this year, Mitch and I were like, we can't give up 60 hours. We need to do productive things like exercise (laughs) or spend time with family or whatever. By the end, it absolutely well and truly got us. All the headlines were too irresistible to stay away. (laughs) They were. I'm not going to lie to myself or to the great people. Sounds sexy. So much like you watching Bridgerton by yourself in your bedroom. (laughs) Completely irresistible. Now, So Dramatic and Pedestrian have been crunching the numbers. And the big winners out of the show when it comes to Instagram followers, Michelle, are Domenica Calaco, who racked up 280,000 followers. Ella Ding, 233,000. And Brent, who came out with 215,000. Now, they are pretty sizable numbers, given what we look at when Bachelor or Bachelorette contestants leave the show. They're not getting anywhere near that. No, not at all. So maths is clearly working, not just in ratings. I mean, it absolutely smashed the ratings with its final two episodes. It's also working in that it's a good launch pad for people to begin their careers online. One interesting thing about this season of Married at First Sight, though, is that the contestants aren't actually allowed to access their accounts all those huge followings until the show stops airing in the UK so apparently this season Married at First Sight Australia is massive over in the UK and because the producers don't want spoilers out there they don't want UK fans to be on their phones and getting I don't know snarkiness and drama and bitchiness from the contestants they're withholding their accounts until it finishes airing however When this is put to Channel 9, Channel 9 says the official party line of they're withholding access to the accounts out of an interest and an investment in the contestants' overall mental health and well-being. Yes, because that has always been at the forefront of producers' minds (laughs) when they film these shows. So a month without our accounts. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not great news for the contestants in particular. It's not great news for one Max Martin, the infamous and very controversial talent manager who has now been referenced in many a scandal series, actually. Now, he is apparently representing a few contestants like Olivia and her husband Jackson from this year's show. And naturally, he wants to start getting some bang for his buck. I don't know if I've used that saying in the right context. He wants some SponCon going. He wants to get his hands on those sweet SponCon deals. Now, he's so upset that his clients, the people he manages, cannot get their hands on their accounts that he actually launched a petition titled Let My People Go. Married at First Sight 2022 stars have no access to their Instagrams. 
The petition read, it's Instagram purgatory and un-Australian to not allow them interaction with their followers and be praised, lauded and earn money from paid posts. This change.org petition is not just for the current MAPS personalities, but for future generations and their children, (laughs) as well as those on other reality shows like Love Island, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I'm seriously concerned for their mental health and bank balance. I... I actually don't even know what to do with this. This is iconic. I love him. I mean, I know he's deeply, wildly problematic all the time, Max Markson, and he's been involved in some interesting things across his career. I love that this is just one big troll, and I particularly love that it's a big troll that Channel 9 fell for because apparently Max received a legal letter and then had to take the petition down because little Channel 9 wasn't too stoked about it. That is so, so funny. What a story. (laughs) My fifth and final story for today's Quick and Dirty. Ashley Tisdale defends buying 400 books to fill a bookcase after Twitter erupted over a video tour of her new home. That was from Nine Now. And the short of it is, Zara, that Ashley Tisdale is the latest celeb to have her home featured on Architectural Digest. Yeah, 100%. I'm obsessed with this story. So Beautiful home, by the way. I'm obsessed with any of the Architectural Digest tours of Celeb's home. Ashley Tisdale kind of has um, goofy energy. She's amazing. She's very self-deprecating, which is why we in Australia might love her so, so much. She is very self-deprecating and endearing. Yeah, and doesn't seem to have like this intimidating aura, um, which I feel like is a compliment for Ashley from me. Anyway. Welcome, Ash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Now, she made headlines after her tour because of this. These bookshelves, I have to be honest, were not actually did not have books in it like a couple days ago. Um, I had my husband go to a bookstore and I was like, you need to get 400 books. <laughs> Obviously, my husband's like, we should be like collecting books over time and putting them in the shelves. And I was like, no, 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 not when AD comes. <laughs> so Mish. She gets her husband to buy about 400 <laughs> books and the Twitter debate around this whole saga kicked off with a post from a woman named Sarah Caldwell who shared screenshots of the YouTube video with the comment, I am speechless. At the time of recording, that had about 400,000 likes and 23,000 retweets. People were really divided. Yeah, people were snarky about this. Of course, there were the people who were laughing and the people who found this borderline iconic. But I would say the majority of the commentary was saying like, why would you admit this? How embarrassing. Why didn't she have books in the first place? Like just a little bit bitchy. Yeah, 100%. My favorite tweet though was from Zara Rahim who wrote, okay, more like Ashley Tisdale donates $12,000 in one afternoon to a local bookstore. (laughs) Now the conversation was so intense that she actually had to acknowledge it. She said, let's clear this up. There are some of my books from over the years in there, but yeah, 36 shelves that hold 22 books I did not have. And any interior designer would have done the same. They do it all the time. I was just honest about it. She is so bang on. I can't believe anyone gave her shit for this. She was just breaking the fourth wall that probably every celebrity goes through when they do these Architectural Digest home tours. I'm sure they all wheel in the absolute like best of the best. I'm sure they all get their homes professionally cleaned, professionally styled, their pillows professionally fluffed, whatever, before AD walk through their home. For Ash Tisdale to just be honest about it and cop 400,000 likes and a whole lot of flack on a post is really weird to me. I thought it was so refreshing. Yeah, I think it was incredibly refreshing. I, I actually have a new little crush yeah, crush on Ash. I love that we're calling her Ash now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when that happened, by the way. Yeah, I'm a big fan, so go Ash. Power to you, Ash, and power to the very small bookstore that hopefully got a big old order of 400 books, got absolutely wiped out by Ash Tisdale and her husband. I know. <laughs> Is that all you got for me? That's all I've got. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. All right, guys, it's time for the mailbag. Annabelle Lee, are you ready to do the honours and read it out for us? I certainly am. This one reads, 
Dear Mish and Zara, I desperately need your advice. My best friend has been unfaithful to her fiancé and he's been posting all over social media telling the world how heartbroken he is. I am incredibly hurt by this news. I feel so upset that she's done this, but I also know it's not my decision and not in my control. I'm also not sure how to move on from this. All of my friends and family are talking about it and asking questions of how my best friend could knowingly inflict so much pain onto someone. Is this really the best friend I've known and loved all along? Could this blip and this decision to cheat on the partner she supposedly loved so much change our friendship forever? I don't know what to do or say. Any advice or words of wisdom you can offer me would be so appreciated. Love, a confused friend. I feel like that's what we do at the end of every mailbag. We just go, we're not picking ones we're not interested in. (laughs) Imagine at the end of them be like, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't really care all that much. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy, do I care about this, Mish. Yeah, same. I have a lot of thoughts. I think where I want to start with you, Zara, is I think a big element of this story and this listener's dilemma is in how public it is. Because this is a social media storm now because all of her friends and family friends and family are talking about this. The stakes are much higher than if it was just a cheating scandal that, yeah, maybe there was a little whisper network about, but it wasn't so huge. I think the fact that so many people are speaking about this woman's mistakes, they're speaking about her infidelity there's some blowback onto anyone who is in her orbit. And I think because this best friend is now in the periphery, she's feeling the heat. Yeah, I so agree with that. Because I wonder if this listener was to be really honest with herself, right? And asked herself, are you concerned going forward about your values not aligning? Or is this a little bit about ego too and being associated with someone who did this? What would your gut say? And I should preface by saying, If your answer is a bit of both, a bit of ego being associated with it and a bit of values not aligning, that's totally normal and natural. I think we all would. But I do think straight up it's probably pertinent to unpack the reasons why you feel so cut up about this and make note a few times about how public this is because it will probably help you make sense of whether the friendship is viable going forward. Is this a little bit about me too being embarrassed? Yeah, I completely agree. And no shame on your ego being involved. No shame on caring about your reputation here either. I actually have a personal example of something similar to this story, to be honest, that happened, oh God, years ago now um, with a friend who's actually no longer in my life. But I remember witnessing this friend's awful behavior, like behavior that was just indefensible, that nobody could stand by and say, that's okay. And because it was so public and because so many people were speaking about my friend's behavior, thinking this blows back onto me. I'm, I am close to you and I can't stand by what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing what you're doing and you're actively hurting people. And yeah, it was a value judgment and a morality thing, but it was also a reputation thing. I didn't want to be associated with bad behavior. I didn't want to be associated with malice or friends who intentionally hurt the people around them. So I do completely understand this mailbag submission, even though some people listening would go, oh, well, you stand by your friends no matter what. Who gives a fuck what she's done to her fiance? You have to be her friend. I'm not entirely sure that's true. I think we can ask that our friends are decent people who behave in loving ways. Well, it's really interesting as you're talking there because it made me realize that there is actually a real overlap between your ego and your values aligning because of that saying that we hear rattled out all the time, you are the sum of what the five people you spend the most time with. And that's an identity thing as well. Like if we're constantly told you are the people that you hang out with Mm -hmm. and somebody does that, then yes, of course, that's going to affect both your ego and your worry about perhaps what their values are or who they are at their core. I have definitely had friends over the years who have made decisions that perhaps I'm not proud of or perhaps I don't rate. Not many examples, but it's definitely happened. And it did make me see them a little differently for a a time, but I did stand by them because I think I knew them well enough to know that they aren't the sum or weren't the sum of the mistakes that they had made. Like I knew them to be loyal and kind and thoughtful people and that that made up the majority of who they are. 
And it's an interesting one because I'm not one to sit on my my high horse here either. Like I'm sure I've done stuff that my friends don't agree with. And Mm. if we're making decisions to dump friends over the decisions that they make, I would kind of want to make sure that I'm almost completely incapable of making the same mistake or making the same decision before I go ahead and say, nah. Um, And it's, it's a complicated one because maybe the mistakes that my friends have made would perhaps be incomparable to what this listener is going through. All we really have to go off is that her friend was unfaithful and the fiance is devastated about that. And that is a selfish decision, but I also kind of need a bit more detail on it. Yeah, it's such an interesting one. I think you've hit the nail on the head when you say, am I capable of making this same mistake? That is the definition of empathy, right? Like even if this friend, yes, has cheated on her fiance and yes, broken his heart and put him through immeasurable pain. I am sure whoever this fiance is out there, I am sure he's really fucking struggling and it is awful that she has broken his heart by cheating on him. However, it's an interesting philosophical question. Are any of us above cheating on our partners? Are any of us above that? I would like to think that I am. I would like to think that I would never be unfaithful to my partner. And in this moment right now, I don't think I ever would be. It goes against what I believe in. And I would hope that if there are issues within my relationship, I could communicate that with my fiance. I am not arrogant enough to sit here and say, I am above that. Given cheating is so common, given so many people do it in so many different ways, big and small, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm incapable of it. And so if my friends are involved in cheating, I would hope in most scenarios, I would stand by their side because I think it it is something that's so common and so many people go through. But as you said, Zara, cheating comes in so many different forms. There is one form that is say a one-off, a really bad mistake on one occasion, on one day. There's another form that is reactive. We have a lot of listeners sometimes DM us saying that they engaged in affairs because they were being emotionally abused in their relationship. They needed to find a way out. They needed to break free from a really toxic partner. Then there's a form of cheating where people are just really fucked. People continually every single day wake up and make awful decisions to put their partner in an awful compromising position. And that is a form of cheating that, is far more for me conflicting than the other two. Well, I think we're kind of desperate to put people who cheat in a box. Like, I don't know, depending on the specifics of a scenario, as you say, I really don't think we can brandish someone good or bad depending on whether they cheat or not. But Mm. I think we are really desperate in our sort of public narrative about relationships and cheating to be like, well, are you a cheater or are you not a cheater? And that kind of saying of like, once a cheater, always a cheater as well. It's like either you are or you aren't, You're, you're in or you're out. And I think for me, in this case, I would really want to know with your friend, like what was going on in her relationship and in her life? Is she a naturally destructive, selfish person or is she someone who was really lost at that time? For me, it's not an excuse per se. I don't want people to think that I'm going around excusing the behavior, but I do absolutely think I could keep being friends with someone if her reasons made sense to me. It sounds to me, based on this letter, that line, is this really the best friend I have known and loved all along? I would hazard a guess that she's probably not a naturally selfish and destructive person if this is the person that you've loved all along or else you hint to this being sort of the final nail in the coffin. But if this has come out of nowhere, I would really dig with her about why this happened, what was going on with her, because I think it's incredibly important for you to understand. I also think you deserve to understand. I think you're allowed to sit her down and ask her. I was about to say exactly that. I think she actually owes you an explanation. She might not want to give it. But as the person who stood by her as her best friend, you are owed an explanation for this behavior. I think you can sit her down and ask her the really tough, deep, hard questions. Was this with malice? Did she set out to intentionally hurt her fiance? Why did she do it? What were the little things that led up to this moment? How does she feel now? How is she going to rectify the situation to the best of her ability Even though so many things will be broken, what is she going to do starting today to make things as good as they can be? I think you are actually owed a conversation like that from someone who is as close to you as you're saying this friend is. It also is so interesting that we did this mailbag this week, Zara, because I feel like everywhere I turn at the moment, I am hearing the same phrase. And that phrase is that 
when shit hits the fan, you find out who your real friends are. I heard that this week when I was researching by watching Louis C.K.'s comedy special, Sincerely. He opened the show by saying, when shit hits the fan or when you fuck up, you find out who your real friends are. I also heard it when I was listening to an interview with Jimmy Carr this week. He said the same thing because he was involved in a tax evasion scandal and it proved who his real friends are. I also heard it in a Real Housewives of Beverly Hills episode where Erica, a housewife accused of embezzling funds, wheeled it out to say, well, it's proving who my real friends are. And I just find it such an interesting question because do your real friends, do the people who love you have to stick by you if you've really fucked up and you've really hurt other people intentionally? All of those examples between Louis C.K., Jimmy Carr and Erica Girardi are very different. I'm not going to put them in the same basket. But I think friends can walk away. If you've done something awful, that can be valid for them to walk away. And that doesn't make them a fair weather friend. That makes them someone with a really strong moral fiber sometimes. Well, I think these three people are all making the assumption that these friends, so-called friends who are walking away, are walking away because they don't want to be associated with the bad press going on around it. When in reality, it's like, no, they could just as easily and as equally be walking away because they don't agree with the things that you've done and they don't agree with how you've treated people. Or the person you've become, sorry, people change. Sometimes people change, particularly when they become famous in those instances and become worse people over time. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there are kind of two lines of thought walking parallel here. The idea that we should be allowed to distance ourselves from friends whose values don't align with our own. But also, I really do think there's a strong argument too that we have to extend empathy to our friends, the people Mm. that have been in our lives for a long time, depending entirely on the scale of their mistake. Like, I think that's a really strong human thing to do is to try and extend empathy when you can. Yeah, I agree. I think understanding is at the heart of all of this. Based on this submission, you haven't had a deep enough conversation with your girlfriend. I think both of you need that. Both of you will benefit from that. And pick up the phone and try and have it today a big conversation about this won't hurt anything it will actually give you a lot of clarity in the answers you need to be honest off face value my gut with this is I don't think you should abandon your best friend because she cheated on her fiance of course little details might change my answer on that but my gut right now says stick by this person yes she may have hurt someone you are not the sum of your worst mistakes. We are all complicated. We are all fallible. We can all fuck up from time to time. At the very least, you need to give your best friend a chance. Annabelle, what do you think? Mm. Would that you was stick great by this advice, <laughs> Yeah, I think I agree with what you've said. And also like the examples that you've given, I feel like what those people may have done or what those people did kind of changed the person that mm. their friends have loved and gotten to know over the years. Whereas in this case, it feels like that friend is still there. Like that best friend that they've created this bond together. She's still there. It sounds it like it, doesn't like, it? Yeah. yeah. The makes me think that the friendship is still there and the person is the exact same as she was. She just made a mistake. Yeah. And she's pretty flawed by that mistake and needs yeah. to understand it. Well, if this listener wants to chat to her friend and get back to us on uh, how it went, I, I'll <laughs> certainly be one to listen, that's for sure. But for now, guys, that is all we've got time for. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you, Zara McDonald, for doing another full episode in lockdown. Well, you we guys are doing it too. No, I know, They're but a it's bit harder fair. to do remote, but I think we've done all right. I think we've done all right. If you disagree with us, please don't let us know. Yeah, don't tell us. <laughs> uh, guys, we would so love for you to actually click follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps us out heaps and heaps in the charts, which means that we can find new shameless listeners every single week. So just click that follow or plus button when you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on socials. Search Shameless Podcast. You'll fucking find us somehow. You, you're, you will stumble <laughs> on us somewhere. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No, no. nothing. It's less effective remote, mate. It no. is. No, it's, it's so always effective. <laughs> Guys, we will be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye. Bye. Miss you guys. 